Awesome. All right, take your seats. How cool is this? Here we are in Wellington. I love Wellington. When I was 12, my father brought our whole family uh, to New Zealand. He was a preacher, and he toured New Zealand for a year, and so we lived in Wellington. I was 12 years of age back in 93. Uh, that's enough. Don't be rude. And, uh, but we lived just, uh, where's the Carillion? Just here, the big bell thing. We lived just across the road. Just, would it be there? Is that the right? Straight out there on this road, we lived there in a little tenement house with an 80-year-old man that took in eight people, six kids from six months to 13 years of age. I was 12, my older brother was 13, and we lived here, and I fell in love with New Zealand. And I've been praying all my life, God, I want to I wanna have some influence and have the privilege of being, being a part of what you're doing there. And so God's just given me the opportunity to be able to come over here many times now and uh, enjoy so much of what New Zealand offers. And also help uh, with your, uh, help teach your cricketers how to play cricket. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I did, notice I didn't mention rugby. I only mention, I only mention the sports that have a skill attached to them. Cricket. Oh, that's a. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you got to live somewhere, I suppose. I, uh, I've been uh, in the ministry a long time now. It doesn't seem long, but it is, and planted a lot of churches and all that stuff, and. But about six years ago, it's not the first time God's told me to do this, to give up a church and go travel. And about six years ago, uh, God put it on my heart, I want you to go travel the nations. And uh, every time God's done that in my life, it's because God wants to blow a trumpet and say, there's a new season on planet Earth. He's doing some amazing stuff. And so that's what I do. I go around the world and... I'm away every weekend and uh, somewhere. Uh, last weekend I was in Dunedin, Christchurch. One before that I was in uh, Malaysia and KL and so on. And it just and I have the privilege of seeing around the world what God's doing. I want to tell you something because it's uh, often uh, you you can get in your little world a bit and think, boy, this is you know this is hard. We're enjoying it and we're excited, but it's hard yards. I want to tell you something's changed. And I want to encourage every person here tonight to get a grip of this season that we're in. Young or old, doesn't matter. This is, this is the time to maximize your faith and commitment to Jesus. Don't sleep through a move of God. You know, step up. And so I, I've got a scripture that I want to share with you from tonight. It's in the book of Isaiah somewhere. And I was told, oh, here it is, Isaiah 60, verse 22. Can you see that if I stand here? What about here? A little one. How cool is this scripture? A little one shall become a thousand. (laughs) 
That is weird. Is that your local language? Is it? It's like it's like hundreds. You, you over here, you say hundies. I can't believe that. Just talk properly. Here we go. A little one should become a thousand. Now, here's the first deal with this scripture. We say, oh, you know, a little one can grow and we can have a church of a thousand. It actually doesn't quite mean that. What it means is a little weak person can have as much influence as a garrison of a thousand armed and dangerous warriors. So it's not just uh, numerical. It's the... It's talking about a garrison of a thousand armed and dangerous soldiers. So you can go from being, you know, here tonight, what, what would there be here tonight? Maybe a thousand? Uh, you know, a hundred people or whatever are here. And God's saying it's not just, you know, grow to a thousand. It's, it's the quality of that growth. That the people that thought they were, you know, little and beleaguered and weak, no, they're going to all stand up and say, we, we can take this thing. We can shake a city. We, you know, we can do something. A little one should become like a thousand armed, and a small one, small church, small family, small person, can impact a strong nation. Or you can read it the other way as well, and that is a small village can, uh, under God's grace and favor, become like a strong nation. Israel is proof of that. This little nation can, you know, slap people around 100 times their size when uh, God's favor is on them. So a, a small nation can uh, act like a strong nation. I, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. I, the Lord, will do it quickly, quickly when it's the right time. I'm here to tell you tonight it's the right time. And, and uh, there are churches all over the world. You know, people say, oh, Europe was dead. I go to Europe a lot, and Europe is exploding. Churches of thousands upon thousands. Wherever you go now, there is such an amazing breakthrough of God's Spirit. And you, you can, if you can catch it and say, we're in on this, you can see it happen here. I go to cities and meet with uh, good churches uh, that are just growing nicely, and they say, oh, the church down the road's the exciting one. It's all happening there, you know, and we're doing our best. Stop it! Why shouldn't this be the epicenter of exciting? Where God moves. You've got to own it. And so this, this a little, little thing can become much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. It's right through the Bible. You know, if you've been to church for a while, you hear this all the time. Uh, what about a little army, Gideon's army? 300. Slapped around the Midianite army and defeated a great national army, 300 people. Turned history on its head. Well, what about uh, David, this little shepherd boy with his sling? He takes down this brute Goliath that had struck fear into the hearts of every great warrior in Israel. And a little kid, still smelling of sheep, just practiced with his little sling. He says, I reckon God can do something here. 
little as much when God is in it. But in the Bible, it talks of a little mustard seed of faith. Tiny. You can blow it away. God says if you water that little as much, it'll become a great tree, a great blessing. Some of you here need to stir up your little mustard seed of faith. Because stuff's going down on planet Earth. And why would you sit on the sideline and be a spectator? God wants you in the center of the action. And so do we. We need the church, you guys. What about another little thing? Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? They're out, uh, you know, in the desert somewhere and he's preaching away and they're getting hungry and, and uh, Jesus says to his disciples, we need to feed these, this mob. And uh, the disciples say, we haven't got enough money to even, and there's no shops around here. And Jesus said, well, go find what you can. And all they could find, the little kid heard Jesus say that, and he had his little plastic lunchbox with five loaves and two fishes in it. And so he heard Jesus say, go get what you can. So he sat on it. But by that time of the day, the fish had gone off. And so the disciple, there's food somewhere. I can smell fish. I give it up, kid. And so they get this little five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus, he gets the, he opens it and it's, oh. He says, I've got to bless this. It's gone off. So he blesses five loaves and feeds 5,000. Don't you ever think that God can't supply your needs? Little is much when God is in it. Can you say amen? amen. What about, what about uh, Moses when he gets to the Red Sea? 18 mile across. And on the other side, just beyond your horizon... Because a lot of what God's promised you is just beyond what you can naturally see. And God says, just hold up your little stick of promise. Hold it up. And this little stick separates 18 mile of ocean. And 6 million people of Israel march across on dry land because somebody dared to believe, if I'll just hold up a promise of God for, for a while, I don't know how long he had to hold it up. Could have been, you know, we all think he just waved it and it happened. He may, God may have said, just stand there for an hour. Who knows? But here he is holding a stick and six million people are saying, look at Moses, what an idiot. He doesn't realize that's a shepherd's staff. That's not an oar. That's not a stand-up paddleboard. He's holding this shepherd's staff over water. Fish don't respond. Here he is standing like this. But little is much when God's in it. See, it's not, a lot of you are saying, well, one day when, you know, stuff and all this sort, no, no, it's now. God's not waiting for you to get perfect. He's waiting for you to stand up and declare it. And then in the Bible, there's a funny story. And this is really what I want to talk about tonight. See, I don't know. Do you have in your church, Roger? I don't know whether you have. You have to read 10 chapters a day. Or, no, I'm glad you don't because I get bored doing that. Uh, and a lot of people do that. I just can't do that. So what I, I, when I read the Bible, I try and 
look and work out, God, what are you doing on planet Earth? Because I want to read the Bible to understand what you're doing. And so what God's doing right now, he's setting the church free. And uh, in the Bible, there's a story about the, the people of God being in captivity in Babylon. And after 70 years, God just decides he's going to turn it all upside down and set them free to go back and rebuild the temple of God, the house, the church, rebuild the church and restore the land. The two go together. And I, that's what God's doing all over the planet right now. He's raising people up with a, a, a spirit and a fire in them to build the house of God, magnificent, so that out of that we can restore the land and heal the people. And so I'm reading the book of Ezra, which is the beginning of that story where they, they go out of captivity and uh, Ezra says to all the people in captivity, hey, we can go. They've, they've said we can go back and rebuild the temple, restore the land. Who wants to come? And so I start reading the book of Ezra and you get into about chapter 2 and then through there uh, it gets... It, it sort of goes, and from this family and tribe, there are 1,046. And from this tribe, there were 983. And from this, and it's very, very boring. It just goes on and on. It's boring. What I do, I've found out how to really enjoy Bible reading. I just tear out all the boring bits. No, seriously, I've got an eight-page Bible. But I get so inspired reading it. It's brilliant. But this, this Ezra book, it starts off and is going, you know, and there's 843 from this tribe and there's, there's 376 from this tribe and, and all the people that said, we want to go back and see a revival, see the church strong and restore the land. And then it says in Ezra 2.24, I think the boys have it, yeah. It says, and from the people... The tribe of Asmaveth, there were 42. And I, I thought, what the heck could 42 people do? The egotistical people. As if they could help with this huge task. It's like here tonight, me saying, this group of people could change Wellington. And we all say, rah, rah, rah. then we go home like it's not true. Yeah. Get a grip. You see, and so 42 people, they, they hear the word go around, anyone that wants to pay the price. They've lived 70 years in this, you know, quasi-captivity style, but they're comfortable. Anybody that wants to pay the price can go back, build a glorious temple and restore the land of promise. And the people of Asmaveth, there were 42. And I was, I was reading this and I'm thinking negatively about them. I'm thinking, 42, come on, get a grip, mate. You, you really, what, what, you, what could you do? 42 people, massive task. Rebuild a magnificent temple of God, restore a city and restore a land. That's huge. And I'm, I'm thinking this way, God, you know, I don't know why you give us all these numbers and then you put in a little outfit like Asmabeth. What the heck have you got this in the Bible for? 
I could have written the Bible better than you. You know, stuff. But then God said, no, no, why don't you stop and just have a look at the Asmaveth people as to why this little group of people believe they could make a mega difference. I want every person tonight to go out of here saying, I'm an Asmaveth person. You can't fool me. I'm an Asmaveth person. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. I'm an Asmaveth person. And uh, so I began to look it up. And uh, I found out that uh, the name Asmaveth, Asmaveth, don't, don't forget how to spell it because I want you to remember it because it really does describe the kind of spirit that God wants in it. So you'll notice up there it's A-Z-A-Z-M-A-V-E-T-H. <laughs> Drop down apostrophe. Asmaveth. Have you got it? Yeah. I'm an Asmaveth person. I believe I can make a difference. My family may not be the smartest. We may not be the strongest. We may not have the most money. But I tell you what, I've got a strong spirit. So I looked it up and I found that the, the, the word, the name Asmaveth means, next. It means, you haven't got it? Oh, it's not working. Okay. It means, you'll have to take my word for it. Asmaveth means as strong as death. That's what it means. Or strong to the death. In other words, as Marveth people say, if I start something, I'd rather die trying than give up. Gee, I love people like that in church. I love as Marveth people. I, listen, if I sign up next Sunday, I'll do the journey. I'll do it with every ounce of my being. You hear what I'm saying? This spirit radically changes churches, changes groups of people. And literally, they start to have influence way beyond their size. A little one can fight like a garrison of a thousand because they got this spirit in them. Strong to the death, as strong as death, or it means strong-spirited people. Strong-spirit people. I love that as Marveth. And so let me give you just a few, 12 or 13 characteristics, about five. Of Asmaveth people. Can we do that? Yeah. Just the, some characteristics I see in these people. Asmaveth people, number one, they believe that isolation is not insignificance. Isolation does not mean insignificance. How many of you know Wellington? To me, it's a cool, vibey little city in a little nation which it is, you've got to understand, this is not New York. It's not London. It sure ain't Paris. And it's not even the Sunshine Coast where I come from, <laughs> in Queensland. It's, it's Wellington. How many people here? 400,000? In the region. How many in the city? 200. Shivers.
So here you have, you have four hundred thousand in the whole region. That's not big, but how many of you know that there's something in the Kiwi spirit that has changed the world? Do you know Australia? really owes the whole move of God that we've had to New Zealand. Don't get proud. Brian Houston, he's a Kiwi. We remind him of that whenever we win at any sport. But um, you wouldn't remember these guys, but way back years ago, Scripture and Song was, you know, they were the, the, the gun music of of a lot, and, and it went around the world out of New Zealand. Your missions endeavor to the nations punched way above your weight. Unbelievable missions expression around the world. And somehow that waned and died and settled down, but there's a stirring all over your nation right now. And uh, there's this spirit coming back. We may be small, but we take a hold of the promise. A little one shall become like a garrison of a thousand. We can rock not only this nation, but the nations. And even out of Equippers, you've got great songs coming out of Equippers. Your latest youth thing is incredible. I love that one, We Define the Party. What a good song that is for this generation. And so, but here's the point. Isolation does not mean... Insignificance. Asmaveth, this funny little place, was, uh, was about six miles, six to eight miles, south-southeast of Jerusalem. It's like a bedroom village around Jerusalem in the old days. Jerusalem was party central, and Asmaveth was a little tribe a uh, family that grew and became a little village for their tribe of Asmaveth. Some other uh, tribal villages that grew and developed uh, around Jerusalem were Nazareth. You heard of Nazareth? Bethlehem, uh, Asmaveth. They're all these little, they're not, they're not dead center to anything. It's very easy. The devil loves to isolate people. Uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. We're having a good time. You know, we're having church and we'll, we'll give it a shot. Now listen, as Marveth people understand and believe isolation or a small place does not mean insignificance. Tell me someone that came from Bethlehem. King David, uh, Naomi, uh, Ruth's mum. They went back to Bethlehem to possess their inheritance. Uh, what about Nazareth? That, who came from Nazareth? Jesus. See, a lot of that, there's a little town in Queensland, Australia. I don't know, if you may have heard of it. It's called Chinchilla. Anyone heard of it? Awful place. It's out in the boondocks, out the back of nowhere, and it's hot and dry and, and uh, whatever. And all you, if you're going to Chinchilla, the only thing you do when you get there is keep your foot flat to the floor. Go straight through. It's only a few thousand people, little place, but in our history in Queensland of church, there's been an abnormally high number, unusually high number 
of Christian leaders, preachers, missionaries, families that are uh, the, uh, the strong families across our movement, right through Queensland and beyond, out of Chinchilla. Because somebody forgot to tell them that we're isolated, we can't do much. Hear what I'm saying? This is so important. And they just kept releasing preachers and leaders and, and they kept planting churches all because they had a preacher and, and he was a good friend of my dad's. His name was Ron Damon and he just kept preaching destiny and greatness and all these young guys grew up and said, we, we can do something. And they're all over our nation. That's what God wants to do in you. Isolation is not insignificance. Man, I love that. One of the things that really gets to me is that so many people often feel like you, you're you on the periphery. You're sidelined a little from the main game. Remember when the prophet came to anoint uh, one of Jesse's sons to be king? And dad brings in all the boys and the prophet goes along and gets no witness. And he says, is this it? And the dad says, oh, no, 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 there is a little runt. Oh, no, I forgot the kid. He's out with a few sheep. He's just, that's what he does. He just practices with this little whirly thing of his, and he just sings songs, and he's just out there. Bring him in. Listen, I, one of the things I'm noticing around the planet is that God is using unusual people. People that have been isolated by the, the traditional, the rules of the house. It's incredible, you know. Uh, if I were God, I wouldn't use any of them. Tattoos and, you know, uh, just everything. But God says, no, no, these have got, these have got spirit. A tattoo doesn't mean you've got spirit. It just means you've got spirit but no brain. But that's a different <laughs> issue. Uh, no, 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 I'm only kidding. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You people. But it's, it, as I go around the world, I'm amazed at who God is anointing to be king. Don't you let anybody write you off for age, for race, for, you know, for anything for your history, your past, or lack of it, or whatever else, all you have to do is say, hey, God, I'm in on the action. I'm ready. Help me to be a good one. But I got some, I got some fight. I want to have a go at doing something for the kingdom. I want Wellington and the hut and this region, I want it to be more than a vibey, trendy little place. I want it to be a city sought out because of the God factor. That's what I want. I want people to fly here because there's something of God all over the place. They've got to get into it. And so isolation does not mean insignificance. The second thing about as Marveth, <coughs> as Marveth people, they believe that uh, the reversals, the bad things that have happened to them can be restored. They've been 70 years in captivity. And some fool decides that God can do a great thing. Sends the word out and, and so many people didn't return to help rebuild. 
But the Asmaveth group, there are only 42 of them, but they, they said, hey, we don't care if it's been 70 years in captivity. This is our moment to have a go and restore the land and change things around. And even though they were small and stripped of everything, and I, I just love this. They said, God can turn it around in a day. I love the story of Joseph in the Bible. He's one of my favorites. And you probably know Joseph and his technicolor dream coat. And uh, God gives him a dream. He's going to be a great leader, have influence in the nations. And he's living in a little shepherd's, you know, thing out nowhere. But God says, you're going to touch nations with your leadership. Your own family will recognize it. And so dad hears about it and gets this beautiful uh, cloth out that he must have, you know, got from some traders because it was the kind of material that they would wear in the palaces and the courts of Egypt. Here he is, a teenager, and dad says, wear this. You've got this big dream. That's the biggest weld that's out there. Wear the coat. And you know that story, his brothers hated him for it. And so he went out one day wearing his coat uh, out to the sheep out in the desert. And that caused the stampede, and the brothers got real mad. And so when he got there, they said, we're going to kill him. Stripped him of his coat and said, we're going to kill him. One of the brothers stepped in and said, Don't, let's not be hasty. Throw him in a pit. Well, Joseph, he had this Asmaveth spirit. And every time something happened in his life, throw him in a pit. He says, this is amazing. This is a good opportunity to learn civil engineering. I could make a multi-level car park in this pit. He calls the brothers over. He says, hey, listen, I've got a plan. We could do something with this pit. And the brothers say, he doesn't get it. That's because he's already got it. And so they said, they said, he doesn't get it. So they sold him into a slave train, didn't they? Going down away. And here he is now. He's chained up at the back of the slave train. And he rubs his hands together and says, this is fantastic. I get the opportunity to learn human resource, people management. And, and the Bible says by the time they got to Egypt and Potiphar came to the, the, the leader of the slave group and he said, who's your best man? And the guy immediately turned to Joseph and said, that guy, kid over there, he's my best slave because he doesn't think he's a slave. He doesn't get it. Because he's already got it. It's incredible. I know so many people that get it. Oh, the city's tough. Oh, no, it's an economic recession. We've got bad government. No, no. He doesn't get it because he's got it. Strong spirit. That's how you know the story. Then he, he ends up working for Potiphar's household, and he's the ruler. And he thinks, man, this is brilliant. This is what I was born for. And then Potiphar's wife takes a fancy to him and says, hey, we need to get along. And uh, Joseph says, I don't need to get it because I've already got it. So he says, no, and he ends up in prison. She gets all, you know, head up about it. And so they throw him into prison, way down the bottom. He rubs his hands together. And he says, this is brilliant. I'm down in the deepest prison 
And I was so busy running Potiphar's house, I didn't have time to develop my prophetic ministry. Now I'm down here, I can prophesy and interpret dreams over every prisoner. I see you open doors before you. God will bring you into a large place. Every prisoner wants to hear that. <laughs> if anyone ever asks you for a prophecy, just do that. I can see God opening doors and bringing you into a large place. Every prisoner wants to hear that. It's brilliant. You'll be a blessing to people. And they might even call you prophet. Anyway. So here he is. He's down in prison. He's doing all this. And then one day, God does exactly that for one of the boys that he prophesied over. Interprets his dream. He ends up back working for Pharaoh again. And uh, then Pharaoh has a dream. No one can interpret it. And uh, he says, there's got to be somebody. And, and this guy that was released from prison said, dang it. There is a guy down in prison that can interpret dreams. And before you know it, Joseph is out and he is promoted to prime minister of the most significant nation on planet earth. That's the Asmaveth spirit. Don't you ever, 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 don't you ever, ever, ever limit what God can do with you and through you. Don't you ever make excuses and put limitations well, you know, I was born this or I've been raised this and my family's this. and Stop it! We need you with a strong spirit because you were not created by accident to fill up space. Silly little Asmaveth group of people. Our family won't amount to much. Somebody there said, little is much when God is in it. I love this. I'm just believing for stuff to kick tonight in people's spirit. I can be somebody for God. I don't know how, when, and where, but I'm putting my hand up. I will never be shaken from the cause of Jesus Christ and the opportunities that he gives me. I'll never resile and shrink back from such occasions. All right, number three. What was the first one? Isolation is not insignificant. What was the second one? Well, you're all talking at once, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> God can reverse and restore bad things and turn them around. And some of you here tonight need to hear that. Because you keep on blaming the bad thing for why you're still living a bad life. I'm amazed how people drag bad things with them into their future. Oh, that's so bad. And you've got to learn to set those things free. Because God, as Marveth people, and listen, you don't have to be serving God for too long and in church for too long for someone to hurt and offend you. Someone to do something that is not kosher and the way that you felt God wanted your life to go. Happens to every single one of us. The moment you start to live by faith, and you've got to learn to deal with that, say, God, you can turn my fortunes around. I'm going to set it free because I don't want to drag a dead, stinking thing with me into tomorrow all the time because everybody knows you're dragging it. 
And if you've got something, it may be carrying on your back like a dead monkey. If you are, you need to say, God, I'm going to let this thing go. You don't need deliverance particularly. You need to let it go and be cleansed, forgiven, set free, healed by the power of God. Because God's got better things for you in tomorrow than you've seen thus far. The path of the just winds upward toward the brightness of the noonday sun. It gets betterer and betterer. Hear what I'm saying? And so I, I want every person here to say, God, stuff's happened. I've done this and whatever else. But you can restore our fortunes, turn it all around. Because I'm an Asmaveth person. And I believe for best is yet still to come. For me and my house, says the Lord. All right, next one. What are we up to? Oh, we haven't done number three. Number three is simply small does not mean weak. Small doesn't mean weak. You've heard that saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but how fast the dog can run. No, that's not it. <laughs> it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the Asmaveth spirit. And there are people here, and here's the truth. If you're, if you're living for God, trying to live by faith, there will be times in your life where you feel weak and insignificant. Circumstances just pile up and you feel wrung out, weak and insignificant. But that doesn't mean you're not strong inside. In 2003, uh, what's that now? Gee, that's a while. 13, wow. In 2003, our eldest son, who at the time was 26, died of cancer in 2003. And uh, we first realized in about a, a January, end of January, that he had something wrong and then he died around Father's Day in September. And so our life for those nine months was, uh, was pretty grueling and hectic. He was in hospital most of the time because by the time the doctors... Uh, diagnosed it, which was a little while, uh, it was all through him and his bones and a massive tumour up here and whatever else. And so there was almost, it was gone. And so uh, my day consisted of, um, he's straight to hospital. Uh, my day, I'd get up about four o'clock and I'd just sit in God's presence till about seven o'clock every morning. I had to just, just stay sane. You know, and then I'd have a quick brekkie and I'd go to church. I was running a church then on the sunny coast and, and I'd be there till about 10, two or three hours with uh, our team, just sort out and make sure everything was going uh, okay. Uh, had a fairly big team at the time, so that's what I did. And then at 10, Marion and I would go down an hour drive to Brisbane every day and be at the hospital with our son until 8, 9, 10 at night then come home and do it again every day. And so after a while, and, and you have the reports, cancer's a, a roller coaster ride. The cancer count comes down and they send in the good cop doctor and then it goes back up again and the bad cop doctor comes in and whatever else. And so this went on day after day. And after a while, you get very wrung, wrung out 
physically, emotionally, and, and there'd be nights when we'd get home and flop into bed and Mary and I would just hold each other and we'd cry. And uh, just, we felt so weak. And I said, God, you know, how do we, you know, do all this? And God said, just, just keep your spirit strong. You see, your emotions uh, often can't handle your circumstances. Don't you let anyone tell you because you, you've got tears that you're weak. See, tears are simply your soul being cleansed. They're actually good for you. Uh, tears of joy and tears of sorrow, get them out. But the truth is this, so many people think they're weak because they... they judge themselves on their emotions. No, no, you tell yourself. Let the weak say, I am strong. And whatever you're going through, and there'll be people here tonight going through some tough yards, and the devil says, see, you're hopeless. You can't even handle it. No, your emotions are the reality of your humanity. Your spirit is the reality of your divinity. And when you get this, I, I'm, a, I'm an Asmavet person. I'm strong. Do you know when my son died, a lot of stuff happened. And uh, I had a little talk. I talked to God all the time during it. But I had a little talk to the devil. And I said, devil, if, if that's the best you've got, you have ticked me off. And devil, my son may have died, but I didn't. And I'm coming back stronger, you mongrel. I'm coming back to pray for more people, believe for more miracles, build bigger churches, go around the globe declaring the word of God. You have stirred up a little one to become a thousand. You hear what I'm saying? Come on, there needs to be some fight in your spirit. This is our hour to, to do a march on the work of the enemy. Stop rolling over and playing dead every time you get a pimple. Come on. I'm an Asmaveth person. You'll take some hits. You'll have some reversals. You'll be sidelined. But that doesn't stop an Asmaveth, strong-spirited person. You see, churches can change overnight if we can get our critical mass strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. All right. Amazing thing about these Asmavet people. Do you know that in the Bible, they're hardly talked about, but one, there was a guy from Asmavet that became one of King David's, one of his 30 mighty men. From insignificance, became one of these strong warriors. Another guy from Asmaveth was promoted and became head of the treasury and all the wealth of Israel under King David and King Solomon. Don't you say God can't use you. Came to the top. I love that. Quickly, number four. I've got two more. Is that okay? I can't see what the time is, but who gives a rip? All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm enjoying it too much. Okay, number four, strong spirit people, as Marveth people, believe for their day of manifestation. 
Oh, we haven't got the scripture. Okay, not working. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, you're back on again. So the child, John the Baptist, grew and became strong in spirit. Grew and became what? Strong in spirit. It didn't happen at El Zappo at the altar. That'll stir you up and, you know, it, he grew and became strong in spirit. I like people that grow and become strong. Man, you've been going through it. You're back. You're, next, you're here again. Yeah, we're going through it. But I tell you, Pastor, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. And you could see him getting stronger. I love people like that. And the child and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Listen, if you'll hang in there, there's a day of promotion and manifestation. God owes nobody anything. And he grew and became strong until the day then God said to Israel, uh, he said, it's time, it's time for you to be manifest in your ministry and in your purpose. And boing, John the Baptist became a byword in his whole region. You've got to go see that guy. Don't know where he came from, but man, God's on him. There's something about him. And all of a sudden, see, as Marveth people can serve in a small place because they know there's a, there's a reward day coming. They can serve in a small place. They can labor along with little, knowing there's a day of much coming. Don't you ever stop believing that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Don't you ever stop. They can hope for much and they can sacrificially give, knowing that there's a great harvest coming back. The devil loves to stop people from believing the blessing of God is coming. But God is committed to it in a powerful way. And the last one, the last thing I want you to get about Asmaveth people, strong spirit people, like you and me. We wouldn't be here tonight, whatever night of the week it is. We wouldn't be here tonight if we didn't have this, you know, this passion inside. We can make a difference. We've got to do something that's bigger than just me. That's why we come together. We can do something together. May only be 42 of us, but we're going to make enough noise for a thousand. This city will think there's a garrison of soldiers coming. They won't know there's only 42 of us. Number five. You got number five? Oh, happy day. Yes. Hey, look at this. Here's another one. The, the last scripture was about John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. Listen to this one. And the child Jesus grew and became a... a be, <laughs> The child Jesus grew and became what? Strong in spirit. Isn't it interesting? John the Baptist and Jesus both went through the same development process. Don't you think that one day God's going to wave a magic wand and you're going to become, no, you grow and become strong. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon high. <laughs> That's enough. A serious moment. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God rest upon him. Here's point number five for Asmaveth, strong spirit people. They believe that the grace of God 
continually rests on their life. That's why they stay strong. I'm amazed how many people think God's taking his hand off me. Stuff's not working. No strong spirit people, whether they're in a pit or in a slave train or in a prison, they believe the grace of God's on them. And people say, they don't get it. Man, he's going through, you know, he's going through an awful season. My wife, right at present, has just had an operation for cancer. And uh, she's home recovering, and I should be home. But uh, we both uh, learned so much through the, the death of our son. And she's just had a good report uh, where the doctors changed their mind about how big the operation needed to be. And we both agreed we're strong spirit people. You go preach. I'll get through this. And uh, she's coming good. And the prognosis is good now. And uh, the doctors, after the operation, said, you're going to have some more chemo. You need more chemo. She rang me last night as I was walking out to go to the meeting. And, and she said, you know, the, the chemo... Uh, people have just changed their mind and said, you don't need the chemo, it's all clear. And that's incredible. But you see, she's a strong girl. Not, not in her mind, she's emotionally struggling with some of the things that go with all the, the ravages of chemo and radiation, but she's a strong spirit girl. When I'm home, we have communion together every morning. And I just say, let the weak say, I'm strong. And you, girl, are strong. That's why I can go preach and be strong, because I know you're strong. And as your pastor here tonight, if uh, Roger was up here, if Jordan was up here, or uh, Rhubarb, uh, Boob, uh, Boone, uh, Daniel, Boone, <laughs> or uh, Gaza. <laughs> if any of these guys were up here tonight, do you know what makes them fire and really see God work? Is you being strong. You see, for years the church was taught, no, you're all weak. Come, you know, you've had a bad week. Come to the front and we'll t tickle your hair again. I banned older calls in my church for weak people. Boy, did that get me into some trouble. Because the Bible said, and we do pray for the sick and all that stuff we visit and all that, but we had professional losers coming out every Sunday. No, I'm serious. And some of you preachers encourage it. No, you do. Oh, you need me to pray for you. No, no, I want you to be strong. You're an Asmaveth person. You've got the same spirit in you that I've got. What the heck? In fact, I think I'll get you to pray for me tonight. Isn't that how it should work? For goodness sake. Oh, that's my voice. Asmaveth people, come on, stand up with me tonight. 